Hello, this is Leela Viss, and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm the host of Key Ideas. This podcast empowers piano teachers to unlock the transformative power of music in their students and shift from a mindset of survival to one of revival. On a long walk a few weeks ago, a podcast automatically popped up after the one I just finished. It happened to be Andrea Miller's superb show called Music Studio Startup. To be honest, I wasn't in the mood for a podcast about work as I was trying to get away from it all in my walk. However, I decided to tune in to see who Andrea's guest was, and it happened to be Lisa Spector. Their conversation intrigued me, and Lisa's story made me want to listen to the whole episode again. I immediately reached out to Andrea and asked if she would give me permission to interview Lisa for key ideas. Andrea graciously introduced the two of us, and now Lisa joins me on my podcast. In my conversation with Lisa, you'll hear why my ears were glued to Andrea's episode and why tears were streaming down my face when Lisa said this. I let go of the need of needing it to be how it used to be. I kept asking, when is this going to be over? No one had an answer for that. When I let go of the need to know the answer is when I really started to heal. That's as much as I'm giving away about why I felt compelled to have Lisa on the show. Grab your sneakers and earbuds, and if you have a dog, make sure you grab that leash too. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being here with me today. It's such an honor. Thank you so much. Now, normally I would follow my intro with your extensive and impressive bio, but if you don't mind, I'd like you to share your story first, and then we'll make sure to air your bio later in the episode. Of course, that'd be Mm -hmm. fine. Unless they've already listened to your interview with Andrea on her music startup podcast. Right now, my listeners only know that I learned about you from her show. The best way to explain why you agreed to talk with me today is by telling us your story. And it really starts with your degree from Juilliard and your hopes of becoming a concert pianist. So let's start there. There's many facets to my story. And I basically grew up on a piano bench. That's Mm. all I did. My, I was the opposite of most parents are, can you practice more? It's time to practice. I was the opposite. It was like, Lisa, we're worried about you. Can you get off the (laughs) piano bench and go out and play with friends? But I didn't have any friends. My friends were the piano. So I was, that's where I felt comfortable. And Mm. all I had in mind was to go to Juilliard and become a concert pianist. Mm. And of course, I got in fortunately. And of course, course at Juilliard I learned to play perfectly and I learned that you don't walk on stage you don't enter a competition you don't fly to Europe to enter an international competition unless you're prepared to play perfectly Mm. everything in my life came crashing down on me Mm. on June 27th 2017 when I fell Mm. and ended up crushing my right hand so badly Uh, that I had seven fractures in my right hand. uh, First time I ever broke a bone in my body, first health or or mm -hmm. medical injury I've ever had. And I, it was just terrifying seeing my hand Mm -hmm. as it was. I thought my finger had fallen off. Uh, I rushed to the ambulance, 
was supposed to have one surgery to heal the seven fractures, ended up needing two surgeries. The second one was an immediate surgery when my bone had slipped. In the meantime, I did not know until a later diagnosis that I was developing CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome, which is a rare neurological disorder that generally happens to middle-aged women when they've had trauma to their hand or their foot. Because of that diagnosis, my hand was swollen. It was painful. CRPS is sometimes called the suicide disease because it's so painful. And because of that, my first hand therapist I went to told me, you're never going to play piano again. You know, all I kept asking was, when am I going to play? When am I going to play? When can I get back to the piano? She said, you're not playing again. Your career is over. Mm. And of course, I was just devastated. Mm. Well, first I proved her wrong because Mm. while my right hand was in a cast, I started learning music for left hand only. And I was determined to get my right hand back. And it did take four years, Mm. four, I don't know, three and a half, four years, four surgeries total. So two more surgeries in the next two years, 186 hand therapy sessions, private Feldenkrais therapy, slow movement sessions, Qigong classes, meditation, everything you could possibly imagine. And Mm. It's four and a half years later. I'm playing Rachmaninoff sonatas, Chopin sonatas, two hands, and I play lots of music with one hand as well. And even that was a huge emotional challenge, aside from the physical challenge of playing with five fingers, the emotional challenge of thinking, I am not a one-handed pianist. That is not my identity. I didn't go to school for this. And when I realized I don't, make music with my fingers. I make music with my heart. Mm. It doesn't matter how many mm-hmm. fingers are on the keys. Everything changed. Mm. So well put. Of course, I'm in tears here because um, you you didn't know anything about me when I didn't. Andrea connected us, but Andrea knew my story and she immediately said, yes, you need to talk to Lisa. And she understood why I wanted to talk with you because you overcame you, uh, I still can't imagine myself falling and then seeing my hand like that. Um, but you overcame remarkable, remarkable. Uh, I don't know. It could was it was it a miracle or was it your fortitude? I'm not sure. What do you think? <laughs> um, it's ev- all of it. It yeah. was everything. Yeah. It was really. I think my second hair hand therapist that I then stayed with for 186 hand therapies mm. was just really every single time I went to her. Every time, it was all about focusing on the now. Where are you right now? It was mm. never about how long will it take you to get there. It was never about where you've been. It was always about just celebrate where you are right now. And if it's a millimeter more, because my problem was all about extension. I couldn't even reach an octave. Mm. So it was all about extension and strength. So it's like, where are you right now? Celebrate. You were here two days ago, but you made this tiny bit much improvement. So celebrate that and honor that. And I really learned to live with that being in the moment and also celebrating the tiniest little bits instead of focusing on the big picture of when I'm going to get there. Cause that just causes me, cause me so much pain when people ask like, are you going to have your hand back? Is this going to like, I don't have my hand back. I don't play the way I used to. When I said earlier, I went to Juilliard and I learned to play perfectly. 
the only way I was able to recover is I learned to play with my heart imperfectly. Mm. I learned to accept imperfection. It doesn't matter. I'm making music. That's Mm. what keeps me going. Well, there's so many things that I could say about that. Uh, My new mantra for 2022 is genuine over perfect. And um, I have encountered and said that to myself a lot because of all the things that I've encountered just in this short little couple of days into January. Uh, So that was a lesson, though, that I wasn't ready to learn when we were in the hospital with our son Carter, because there were so many people that wanted to pull us out of the now and look in the future. And I did not dare to hope. I had no hope. I It, oh. it was gone. It was gone. And, you know, I do think every once in a while, I think if I had all the money in the world, I would be some kind of therapist for somebody walking along through that. You know, you had your therapist to help you focus in on that. And we were talking before we aired that, you know, our son Carter seemed to I don't know, he's just healed remarkably. And um, it's. I think it has a lot to do with his resilience. A 20 year old has a lot more resilience probably than um, his parents do. But um, for some reason he had, you know, I am going to do this again type mentality. And I think that had a lot to do with your healing as well. But I couldn't go step by step and just rejoice in the little things. I, you know, I, I look back and think I just had a hard time just, finding any good in anything. It's very, very challenging. It's it is. really, really challenging. I actually coach injured musicians mm. in getting back to making music. And it's always a new way. They have to, you the only way to do it is let go of the past. Let go of mm-hmm. this is how it used to be. I used to be able to play perfectly. I used to be able to reach this. It just doesn't matter anymore. So, okay, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. I didn't know I was going to go there, but you kept, you keep saying the word perfectly. And after your degree from Juilliard, you could play anything perfectly. And th- that is true. Like you didn't have any kind of mental breakdown where you made a mistake. You always could play perfectly. It wasn't easy, but that was my goal. I mean, that was, you know, I just learned that it's Literally, when I because I used to compete in a lot of international piano competitions, mm-hmm. and I would hear interviews with the jury. How do you decide? And I more than once I heard someone say, "Well, the first criteria is they play perfectly." So, but you know, everyone plays perfectly, and then if anyone doesn't, they're out. And then you go to the other things. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I don't think it's how it used to be. Rubinstein, one of my favorite pianists, who I never you know, he died when I was young. So I never had the opportunity to hear him live, but I have recordings of him playing imperfectly. You know, there are notes Mm -hmm. missed, but oh my God, the playing is so incredible. So to me, it's about playing with ease. It's not about playing perfectly. And this goes beyond playing piano. So I think that's something I really adapted to well during the pandemic is my motto is done is better than perfect. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh (laughs) So because perfection is not a good quality. It's like it slows you down. It's procrastination. It does mind games. And if you wait forever to launch things, release things, I launch things messy all the time. And I just clean them up as I go. (laughs) And I get better and better at everything. And you just, everything's a learning opportunity. But if I waited perfection to launch, even send an email to my list, it would never get out. 
You know, and I think that was the other reason why I wanted to talk to you because I totally agree with that and it felt so good. <gasps> okay, good. Somebody else has that feeling too because, you know, when you push that publish button or when you put something for sale and we'll talk about what you're sell selling in just a second, um, you, you know you're going to get feedback. You know that there's going to be something you missed. Yeah. Um, and then you just move forward and it's digital, so you fix it and we move forward. Exactly. Yeah. And no one is everyone to everybody. It's mm -hmm. impossible. So there's mm -hmm. always going to be someone that doesn't like it, but they're not my person. And someone, you know, I do get, I get an email back from a friend that says, I just love your, I love, she's not even a musician. She's not a pianist. She doesn't, she's not buying anything, but she's like, I love reading emails because they're so well crafted and there's, you're so careful about everything. But I notice things that I miss and then it's gone and then I fix it the next time. Yeah. Oh, so let's let's go there next. Okay, so I'm a, imagining that during your recovery of your right hand, you did a lot of what mental recovery as well. And oh, you probably, I did emotional yes. therapy as well. Emotional I had therapy. EMDR. Oh, you so okay. keep in mind, I yeah. was being interviewed. I, my fall happened in a public place, so I was being interviewed uh. by insurance agencies, and all they wanted to know is how I felt. I had to relive the experience over and over, and when you have trauma, you block out the really painful moments. I mean, it's, so there are things I don't remember. And they kept saying, well, you can't lie. And I said, I'm not lying. I just don't remember which foot, what, how, you know, I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly, but they wanted me to keep reliving it. So therapy and EMDR really helped tremendously in terms of reassociation and being able to talk about it, being totally neutral. Mm -hmm. and, and so that gave you time perhaps to think about, okay, if I only have one hand, if not only, if I have one hand, what am I going to do with this hand? So it seems like a complete mindset flip. It was a total mindset flip. The first six months of me playing left hand only, which is all I could do in the first six months, I would sit at the piano and feel like this isn't me. My right hand mm. didn't feel like my hand. And this I'm this is temporary in a year. This is all gonna be behind me. And like, why am I learning this hard Godovsky piece? Because I don't need to be doing this next year. I'm just doing this this year. So there's the mindset, there's the physicality, there's the aspect of, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, my left shoulder ached and my and I couldn't practice for long without it was just like it's very unergonomic to play with with one hand. Mm -hmm. And but it was honestly more of an emotional mindset. And somewhere around six months, I started to notice that the notes on the page that I played with five fingers started to sound like music. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then that really inspired me. Mm. And then I love challenges. I love music challenges. So I, that kind of like, okay, so I'm going to increase my repertoire. I'm going to do an all left hand, all pro recital and program. And, and um, it was, I loved that challenge of that. And that resulted in an album, which I love the name of it. Tell us what it is. Left 10 Lemonade mm. Live, because <laughs> at the start of the pandemic, I every I went starting the end of March 2020, I went online doing Facebook lives, having no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't even know how to hold a camera. And those <laughs> are the days you couldn't have an audio engineer in the room. And I'm just like Googling all this and figuring this out. And so I started a weekly series 
of playing music for Left Hand only with telling my story. I started reading excerpts from my memoir, Left Hand Lemonade. And then that culminated in the 30th one of those. In November of my last Saturday night of those, I had a professional audio engineer in that was, you know, things were a little further along, we could be masked. And, and he came in and recorded it. And then I released an album called Left Hand Lemonade Live. So it's, it's pretty much no edits. It's just that Facebook Live, but mm. professionally recorded. Oh, nice. Nice. So, well, that's only one of your ventures. So, uh, and that's why I kept thinking, wow, okay, I need to talk to her because there was just so many things. First of all, the whole injury and the left hand only repertoire, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, right when I was listening to this, our son Carter uh, was... uh, introduced to his new dog named Kenny, who is going to be his PTS. We'll be right back. Hey, Leela here, taking a moment to bring you a sneak peek behind this Key Ideas podcast. Back in 2012, I started a blog called 88 Piano Keys, which is now lelavis.com. Then I wrote a book called The iPad Piano Studio. Next, I began selling curriculum resources that worked in my studio. Not long after, Marie, Heather, and I created Bucket Drumming for Piano Teachers. Soon, Andrea's vibrant graphic designs, case flippets, and Dorla's hot summer camps needed a marketplace. And now, lelavis.com continues to expand. When we are not busy teaching, Kay, Dorla, Marie, Andrea, Heather, and I are passionately working on new resources, tried and tested, and student-approved. In fact, here's a note received from a teacher named Jennifer. I wish I was at the stage where I had hours to research and choose, but being a mom of two really young kids with other responsibilities as well, I do not always have that time. But when I see something from you, I know that the research has already been done and then successfully tested in your studio with great results. You have been of such value and encouragement to me. With these sweet words, I continue to blog at lelavis.com, as do special guests like Jana Carlson. You must check out her top five tools for online lessons. Key Ideas is a way to connect with you on the go and share enlightening interviews with fascinating rock stars in our profession. And it provides a space to dig deeper into life as a piano teacher and a human being. Oh, and to be perfectly honest, the podcast gives me an excuse to create new theme music. As a token of my appreciation for your ears, use the coupon code KEYIDEAS22, all caps, to get 22% off any purchase at lelavis.com. Thanks for sticking around. And now, back to the conversation. When I was listening to this, our son Carter uh, was uh, introduced to his new dog named Kenny, who is going to be his PTS. D, I don't know. He's being trained as a PTSD dog. I, I don't know if there's yes, an official there title for thing. that. Okay. That, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. And um, uh, just to give my listeners uh, a background to it, I, I didn't, we didn't grow up having any dogs in the house. I didn't. And then we have three sons. They kind of wanted some dogs, but you know, I had piano students in and out of the house. No, we're not going to have a dog. And uh, then when we were in ICU with Carter, 
uh, I was sitting there in the chair in the corner and a dog walked into his room and I thought, good grief, really? And I was exhausted. There were so many visitors, you know, I don't know, you're playing host at the right. same time you're, that you're, you're emotionally yes. drained. Yeah. So I'm like, what is a dog doing in here? Could not believe it. And um, then a gentleman in a wheelchair came wheeling in after the dog and Iggy, Iggy is his name, belonged to or belongs to the gentleman who uh, is an admin in the hospital and he was in an accident 15 years ago and he was struck he was riding bike and struck by a car on a bridge and became a paraplegic and so iggy, everyone knows iggy in the hospital and iggy came up to carter's fingers and started licking his fingers and oh. i thought oh gross <laughs> and then i saw carter kind of look up out of the bed and his eyes got all big and he got this smile on his face and I completely changed my attitude like okay now I see now I see why dogs are important and just to fast forward yes Carter wanted a dog and we had talked to Iggy's owners quite a bit Don and Sally and you know they they were all for it as well and so finally this happened close to two years after the accident he is now um, made friends good friends with Kenny his dog and um, just seeing the importance of a, a pet and having someone to love, I knew that that's what Carter needed. And it's been interesting because we have been dappling with getting a dog ourselves. My husband particularly would really like one. And we've been dog sitting a couple of dogs that we just have fallen in love with. So I, I totally understand it. But now I want to hear your story because you are not just passionate about piano, but you are also passionate about dogs. So please fill us in. So I live in two worlds. I live okay. in the music world and I live in the dog world with a big capital D. <laughs> I, I everything I speak dog all the time. <laughs> so your story just brings so much mm. warmth to my heart. Mm. I I know the power, the emotional power of the connection you can have mm. with the dog and how much healing that will provide for your son. Mm. So I create music for pet stress. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this since I came up with the idea in 2003. I had a company from 2008 to 2018 I was with, and it launched me on enormous press on CBS Early Show and Good Morning America and Today's Show and Lifetime TV and Animal Planet, all the things. So I am very much tuned into the power of music for healing purposes. So when I say pet stress, I'm talking about canine anxiety. So in 2020, a research study was done that showed that over 70%, like 71.5% of dogs have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety issue. Now, I think the number is greater because a lot of people don't know their dogs have anxiety, but the ones that they've sought help for were basically the main ones, separation anxiety, sound phobias, aggression, fear, which are very much tied together, excessive barking, it could, you know, hiding, it could be a, a million, fear of strangers could be a million things, but something so natural that doesn't, necessarily need drugs and it's so easy is the right therapeutic music provided mm. to dogs 
that they I've seen over and over, even extreme aggression cases and fear cases and extreme separation anxiety, where the music has really helped the music that I've recorded and, and created has really helped dogs. And my music is playing in over 1500 shelters worldwide. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to Juilliard to learn to play for dogs, <laughs> but I'm thrilled that my, my career has gone to the dogs. It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Does Juilliard know that? I don't know. Would they you be know, okay it's with so this? funny. I hid it from them for years. I was like, oh, oh my God, they, they're like, oh. they're going to be, they're going to take away, they're going to come take away my diploma. <laughs> and then they called me and said, we read about you in the news, what you're doing. Can you come to New York and we can interview you and video record you for this, for this uh. series we're doing? So it's all good. <laughs> I, I still have my diplomas right there. Uh. <laughs> Okay, so you've managed, and I think that's why, well, I know that's why Andrea had her, had you on her show is because you continue to reinvent yourself or roll it over in a new way. Let's put it that way. And um, so what are you up to now? Now my big focus, and yes, I my life is all about reinventing myself and more in these past years than like my whole life combined, I think. So I am really into working in the online space and helping. So I, I basically have two businesses. One is where I'm helping musicians play with their heart, play with ease. If it's pianists, I, I'm focusing on my membership, the Piano Ninja Tricksters Club, where I help adult intermediate to advanced classical pianists learn more in less time. Mm -hmm. When I have a student that comes to me and says, I didn't practice enough. I always say, yes, you did. It's never about practicing more. You Mm -hmm. probably practice too much. You, what you need to focus on is practicing smart. Mm -hmm. So piano ninja tricks is all about practicing smart so that you get rid of all your bad habits and learn twice as much in half the time, which Mm -hmm. I have learned to do through all my studies all these years. And then I have other courses for non-musicians. I have demystifying classical music and I have um, a course for other musicians. So any instrumentalists, I'm winning the musician's mind game because whether you pick up your violin to play or you open your voice to sing or you put your fingers on the keyboard, everything is controlled by your mind. And it's the most important place to start that most people forget about. They think it's their instrument and it's really not. They're, the most important thing is what they put in their mindset. And then my other business is My Zen Pet. And in My Zen Pet, it's all about pet stress. I have a podcast called My Zen Pet. I do a meditation Monday. I have a doggone calm club named after my album, Doggone Calm, (laughs) and where I'm helping people create canine calm canine households, not only helping them keep their dogs calm, but the energy gets transferred to both ends of the leash. So it's also Mm. meditations and exercises for themselves to keep, so their dog can pick up on their calm energy. That's what also struck me in your interview with Andrea is both ends of the leash. I just think that's so clever and so true. And really, music really does heal both ends, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because Mm. no matter what, you know, unless you have a really, really 
extra smart border collie, they're not going to hit the playlist themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe a border yeah. collie or two might be able to do it. I've been trying to teach Dina, my lover, her. she's not quite there. She's we're working on it. Well, I have taught her to turn my pages, but the playlist, no. I, oh. I decide. But here's the thing. I, you know, I joke about that, but the reality is I feel sorry for dogs that they don't get con- control of what's in their sound environment. They don't mm-hmm. get to choose the playlist. I think sound someday, my hope, and I hope I live long enough to see this is secondhand sound is going to be researched as unhealthy as secondhand smoke is oh. because it really is. It's, I walk into a household where the dog and it's like a TV's in one room and the kids are, you know, playing their rap music in the back and the dogs the dogs want to be in the middle of people. They will mm. sacrifice their own well-beings to be near their person. And so they'll put themselves in the middle of this and they don't have a choice to turn it off. So I actually have a whole, with my dog on Calm Club, I do something where I have them really pay attention, take, an, take a sound aware test of their environment, what sounds, what technology sounds, what beeps can they either diminish or delete, what, you know, control the music. And it's, I feel like our dogs need that from us. And they're looking at us asking, and they don't have that choice. So it is mm. up to us to really provide that healthy sound environment. Here's a question for you. As I was thinking about that, we our conversation today, I remember I had an adult piano student and she was in love with her three dogs. And I think two of them did not want to be in the same room as she played piano when she practiced. And eventually they came closer and closer. And she thinks it was because she got better and better. Now, what can we tell our piano students about dogs near the piano? And you know, how can we make our dogs happy with our practicing? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I I like it that she allowed them to leave. Oh, so in other okay. words, we let them choose. Okay. And I it's rare, but I have seen one dog in my life when I used to perform a lot and I was traveling and I was staying with some people. It was a Dalmatian. And I, this dog had strong preferences. When I played Bach or Mozart, the dog left the room. <laughs> when I played, I was in town playing the Greek piano concerto and this dog howled with delight and wagging his tail at the opening chords of uh, the Greek, which are high and they're like yeah. loud. And he would come from anywhere. And then they also had a parrot and the parrot would start talk, like talking and the younger dog would start barking and the parrot would be like, shut up, Willow. And like, there's this whole cacophony of sound. It was and every time, like every time I start with the Greek. Yeah, it was, it was so funny. So I would say, notice your dog's preferences. They're all different. You know, every dog is different. So it's good. She let them leave. And, you know, some dogs it's loud. Like I, I have a large Steinway grand and I play with a cover on and I keep it as soft because I've done yeah. the decibel reading test okay. and it's, it's, you know, dogs hear four times as much as we do. So it's might have been that was just too loud. So I'd be sensitive to that. So I'd let like Gina, I have one dog now and in a fairly small place, they have three dog beds. So she decides. Oh, okay. She decides, does she want to be right near the piano? Does she want to be right over here? Does she want to be in the bedroom? You know, so she gets to decide because it's it really is ultimately their choice. And the other side of that, when I like put on my Zumba playlist, I'm ready to work out. And, and it, I, you know, and I put it a little loud, I make sure she's not in the room because I know it's not good for her. Okay. Well, 
if I had a dog, I know I wouldn't be able to stop talking to you because I'd be so curious about everything. But I, I, I am kind of curious. I, I want to go back to your ninja trickster. What did you call it again? Your So it was originally a course, which it okay. will be again called Piano Ninja Tricks okay. that I launched right at the start of the pandemic. But now okay. it's, a, it's a membership. It's a club okay. called the Piano Ninja Tricksters Club. So okay. if you remember, you're a piano ninja trickster where you learn to um, learn more in less time and play with your heart. So when did you start putting your tricks together? Was this already back in Juilliard days or did you really develop these as you were what re what making friends again with your hands with you with it actually started it's a combination of both. It started before okay. that. So when I was really full time with my previous dog music business, I was still teaching a little bit to adult students and I kept a notebook. So every time I said something to them that could be transferred to any student, could be transferred to any piece of music, could be, it's just a general trick. It wasn't later till I realized it was a trick. I wrote it down. So I kept a notebook. So I started accumulating these piano ninja uh, tricks. I think a lot of them, I looking back, a lot of them I got from Earl Wilde. My studies with Earl Wilde at Juilliard. He just had a way of making everything easier and showing you tricks for everything. Hmm. And so I started accumulating them. And then I actually launched, I was working on the counter starting in January of 2020, planning to launch it in February annoyed with myself I couldn't get it together in time I launched it and then the pandemic came in so it was really I have this way of even when I'm late it's perfect timing you know it's just kind of like it just happens I mean it happens for everybody if you pay attention to it would you say perfect timing did you say perfect timing yeah (laughs) let's call it divine timing okay there we go (laughs) well that I'm fascinated in that with that because you know, that is the key is finding ease. Even when it's hard, how can you make it easy? So I'm very exactly it's the Mm. number one question I ask my students to ask Mm -hmm. themselves when they're struggling with something, how can I make this easier? Mm -hmm. And I give them guidelines. These are the three ways and I'll I'll share this for the pianist and your your listeners, three ways to immediately make any section easier, slow it down, hand separately and smaller sections. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like to anything. Yeah. I remember when I was uh, getting my master's with Ted Lickman and the one big takeaway, somebody asked me that was, he always said, make it simple, make it simple. And it was There's a lot always of ways away. Even if you yes. take one beat, I mean, yeah. you can narrow it down to like nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then just you gradually, it's the same thing as dog mm. training. <laughs> it's the same. We Ooh. call it in dog training. We call yes. it shaping behaviors. Shaping. If you want to, I do agility. It's a really fun sport I do with my dog. When I started her and I'm in a foundation class, the last thing you want to do is take a dog up a teeter totter and then have it come crashing down. They don't know it's going to move. They're going to be afraid of it for life. So instead you put it on a pillow. So there's no loud sound and you lower the height. And so it's little by little, and then you keep rewarding the good behavior. And then you gradually, gradually make it harder. And if they backtrack and like, no, I can't do, then you don't push them forward, you backtrack it. And so it's called shaping the behavior that you Mm -hmm. want. You can do it with any trick. Like you see these dogs do these magnificent trips. It's not one trick. It's 
10 or 12 tricks put together that are shaped. It's the same thing I used to call it stacking with my piano mm-hmm. students. Now I call it shaping because I'm really shaping their their behavior, shaping. their patterns. Because mm-hmm. that was one of the questions is I was thinking that it really would be beneficial for me to have a dog and have to go to obedience school or whatever. I think it could have really helped me as a parent, but also I wonder what kind of insight it would have given me as a piano teacher. You know, like, can you relate it's- those two? I can, so there are several okay. of us piano teachers who are agility handlers and competitors, and oh, we're okay. always talking about the similarities. It's oh. like, it's pretty incredible. And I have to, I want to applaud you because when we first came on, you said, you know, you never had a dog, your husband wants one, you, and yeah. so your dog's sitting. That is the perfect, you're shaping your behavior. You're <laughs> learning to do it little by little. Mm-hmm. Dog mm-hmm. sitting, fostering, trying it out first instead mm-hmm. of investing is like, Oh, we didn't want that breed. That doesn't work. So you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So can you give us an example of how training a dog and training a piano student is very similar? You know, like, are there certain crossovers? Um, So I think it's all about the shaping. So let's say... um, I'm going to use, so I'm a positive reinforcement trainer based on science and very much in that school of thought. I don't do, I don't use any aversive training methods. I don't use any aversive training methods with my piano students. So they finish a piece of music. The the first thing I'm going to say to them is something that went well. Hmm. There's always something because if I start with what didn't go well, they're not going to hear anything else I say. Hmm. They're shut down. So a dog would do the same thing. A dog doesn't do you. You're like, no, bad dog. The dog is going to shut down and not hear anything you say. So there's always a way to find something your student did well. There's always a way to find something you did well. So in Mm. winning the musician's mind game, that's what I start with. After every practice session, write down three things that went well. Mm. Because what Mm. happens when you focus on what went well, you get more of what goes well. So in an agility course, there's generally about 18 to 20 obstacles. There's jumps and there's weave poles and there's A-frames and teeter-totters and there's tunnels. And your goal is it's a precision plus time sport. And your goal is to keep your dog out of the tunnel that they love to go into, except when it's on the course and you want them to go into the tunnel or to make the weave pole entrance. So their body, so the weave pole is on the left, you know, so they're on the correct size. So you get off of a run at a, at a trial and almost always, you know, you'll say, Debbie, how did it go with, with Fido? Oh, he missed the weave pole entrance. Well, how did the other 19 obstacles go? So it's focusing on, like, it's really easy to, oh, we Mm. knocked the last bar. It was awful. Well, how'd the whole rest of the run go? It's the same thing. Like, I just played this Beethoven sonata. It had 8,000 notes, and I missed one, and I'm going to notice the one that I missed. Thank you. Yeah, I needed that little pep talk because I do that a lot. Mm -hmm. How about all the ones you played right? I know those didn't matter because, you know, when I practiced, everything went right. Right. right, right, You know, I think that's what my biggest hang up is, is that I'm upset because obviously my practice didn't get me perfect, you know? So what happened? And I think that's, there's something healthy about that. I always think mistakes are information, you know? Exactly. They're information. And I don't know about you, but I don't, 
don't even care for perfect playing. I mean, that's not what, that's not what I remember. Yeah. That's like, I was yeah. at a fabulous recital. So I went to Leon Fleischer when he was still alive, mm. his 90th birthday recital. Yeah, it was his 90th. It was his 90th mm-hmm. birthday recital. And I'd had private lessons with Leon Fleischer. I just think he was just God to the piano. Mm. And Jonathan Biss, who I'd never heard open for him. Jonathan Biss is one of his prized students. And I'd always heard so much about Jonathan's playing, heard his recordings, and I was just so eager. To, and he was fabulous. And he had an enormous memory slip in a Beethoven Sonata. And he recovered, and I just loved him more for it. I was just like, mm. thank God he's human, you know, because, you know, and it happens to all of us. It happens to big name people. And it's like they recover. Life didn't end. It went on. He's still doing gigs, as far as I know. <laughs> you know, our uh, choir director likes to embrace mistakes, is what he says. And then we'll, we'll sight read through a piece for the first time. And he said, well, nobody fell down, you know. <laughs> so exactly. it, it is yeah. kind of, you know, just yes. And I said, yeah, if we could just get over our perfection um, tendencies. And, you know, is that the goal? I And I think changing yeah. our goal right? Changing and that. I think for classical musicians, it's mm-hmm. one of the most challenging things. So I would encourage people to listeners to try it in another area of their life where it's just a little easier. Try mm-hmm. it with something else and, and take the baby steps. So shape the behavior mm-hmm. until it gets to the music. And it's, I am not one of these, I don't advocate for like metronome practicing faster and faster and faster. I don't start with exercises when I practice in the, my first practice in the morning. I start with music that opens Yay, my heart. It reminds me to make music. It's mm-hmm. so easy to forget. That's why we do this. Mm-hmm. That's why we devote our lives to this. It's to make music and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I could talk to you all day, Lisa. Thank you so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure everyone else would love to keep talking with you as well. So we better just sign up for your classes. I'm going to listen. I want to listen to your, what is it? Pet Zen? Zen Pet? So my Zen Pet. My yeah, Zen so the Pet. Album, and the album is called Dog Gone Calm. So anyone okay. who has dogs, I have a membership to call the Dog Gone Calm Club and all that you can find at myzenpet.com. And everything else is at lisaspector.com and including, so the memberships, the clubs are not open all the time. So okay. depending on when your listeners hear this, it's it's um, open at it's sometimes so I say I open the doggy door to the dog on com club at certain times I open the piano lid for the piano oh, ninja cute. tricksters club at other times. <laughs> and it's such, you know, here's the greatest uh. thing about it. My this is we just had a holiday party and and people are just putting giving me their input of what they're experiencing in this in the piano ninja tricksters club the thing that warmed my heart the most wasn't i learned this trick i learned that trick i'm playing beethoven that i want to play the, the thing that warmed my heart was when someone said this is such a supportive non-competitive mm. community of pianists supporting each other mm. he said that's why i'm here Mm-mm. and that's what i really that what I want. That's what I want to create. I'm actually in 2022, creating a whole online music, the music conservatory, which is all these online courses, all about helping adults 
reignite their music dreams. Whether you're someone who you wanted to go to conservatory and you didn't because you were told you weren't good enough, or you thought, I'm not going to make any money. I need to go to business school. It is never too late. I have an 82 mm. year old piano Ninja Tricksters member. And it is, I've had, I had a 94 year old student when I had my music school. It's never too late. Mm, mm, I love that. Uh, a good friend of mine, Bradley Sowash, is known for the phrase recovering classical pianist. And I fall into that category. And I think you serve all of us very well because, um, yeah, we are, we struggle to let go of that tight grip of perfection. So thank you for reminding us that um, we don't have to hang on to it. There's so much joy when we let go of that. Need. Mm. There's so much joy waiting for you when we mm -hmm. let go of that. Need. So Lisa, I usually ask my guests to give us a teaching tip to go. And I totally forgot to uh, remind you of that. But I think you already gave us one. I don't know if you remember what you said, but I wrote it down because I thought it was such a good thing to remember. Okay, and I want to, yes, I want to tell my students to do this is write down three things that went well. Right? And get keep a notebook, keep it on the notebook. piano. So you yes. do it, start to do it every time. Mm. And I promise you, I commit to you as I breathe this statement that you will start to notice more and more things that go well. Mm. And that's where the joy lives. Yes. Alisa, oh, it's been such a treat to talk with you and a big shout out to Andrea for connecting us. And um, thank you, Andrea. Yes. We have so much in common. Lila. It's I like, know. it's just, I, know. It's kind of, I could talk forever too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me. And I can't wait for everyone to learn about Lisa Spector. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, I bet now you understand why I wanted Lisa on Key Ideas. To recap her remarkable career, here's Lisa's bio. For more than 35 years, playing piano has not only been Lisa Spector's passion, it's been her livelihood. Since graduating Juilliard, she's taught piano at the university level, owned a music school in her community, toured internationally, won first prizes in national piano competitions, advanced to finals in international competitions, performed to arenas of 18,000 in China, and recorded music for Pet Anxiety that gained national and international press. A traumatic accident in June of 2017 shattered her right hand. When she was told by a medical professional she'd never play piano again, she didn't listen. After the first two of four surgeries for seven complicated fractures, she dove into music for left hand only. It wasn't easy, emotionally or physically. It took at least half of a year before those notes turned into music. It gradually became easier when she realized it only appeared music came from her hands. She really makes music with her heart. Little by little, she was able to add her right hand to her left. After four surgeries and close to 200 occupational hand therapy sessions in March of 2020, she started performing 30 Facebook Live weekly concerts for one and two hands. This culminated in her new album, Left Hand Lemonade Live. In 2021, Spectre returned to her passion for using her music talents to improve the lives of dogs. 
She is the host of My Zen Pet, the first podcast with music for pet stress. And her new album, Dog Gone Calm, is streaming on all platforms. She's the creator of the Piano Ninja Tricksters Club, where she helps classical pianists practice less while learning more by teaching them how to practice smart and play piano with joy and ease, leading with their heart. Head to the show notes at lilavis.com for links to Lisa's site and her fantastic lineup of resources for pianists and dog owners. I leave you with marching orders. Remember to write down three things that went well the next time you sit down to practice or teach a lesson or play for a crowd. I'm Leela Vis, and see you in the trenches, leaving perfection behind.